weeks on biblical prophecy since July and had no clue that we'd still be there now. So I think tonight, I think tonight's going to be the last message in that series. And we're going to be talking about tonight, we're going to be talking about the very last rebellion uh, in the service this evening. And so uh, whatever you do, don't miss this evening and we'll have a good time together. And then we'll make more mention of this tonight. But ladies, you'll be having a very, very special Sunday school class next Sunday morning down here at the Space Life Center. And they've got it all fixed up down there. It looks beautiful. And uh, you'll be having breakfast. And Mrs. Toole will be speaking down there next Sunday morning at 945. And so all the ladies, I hope that you'll keep that in mind. And we hope that you'll be a part of that. And again, I'll say more about that tonight. Genesis 21 in your Bibles, when you find your place. If you'll stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read a little more Scripture than we normally would, but I want you to, uh, I want you to, to get sort of the gist of what's going on here in this story as I talk to you about this subject, Life Lessons from the Story of Israel. Now, that's not a flashy title, but that's what I want to talk to you about. And so um, let's look at it today, Genesis 21 and verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. We learned about that Wednesday night. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah uh, should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a, a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad 
drink. You may be seated this morning. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. When God uh, gave me this message, I thought, okay, I'm going to teach this in Sunday school. That's, that's what I thought I would do. I thought I'm gonna, this, is, this will make a good Sunday school lesson. That's what I thought. I still think it's going to make a great Sunday school lesson, but I'm going to preach it in the, the service, all right? And, uh, and so I want to talk to you about life lessons from the story of Israel. We, we'll be very simple today, um, but I believe this is going to be, a, I believe it's going to be a help to you. I, it's been a help to me. I, I'm, <laughs> listen, sometimes people, that preacher, I don't know about that preacher. I, he, that finger he points out there, it's like it's 10 feet long sometimes. Well, don't forget, when I'm pointing that finger at you, I got three more pointing back at me, all right? And before I get the message to you, a lot of times God, God has done spanked me over it. And, and that's definitely the case this week. And uh, this is one of those kind of messages that is, is easier to preach than it is to practice. Uh, but I believe it will help you today. And so let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us. And we'll jump right into our Bible study. And that's what it's going to be today. Father, we love you. And thank you for this time we've had together this morning. It's been a great morning and we're so thankful for your blessings. We Again, we're blessed beyond measure, and we thank you. God, we're excited. We're going to baptize tonight, and uh, looking forward to baptizing, Lord willing, this evening. And uh, Lord, just you're doing so many wonderful things, and we thank you. Thank you for the great prayer meeting yesterday. Thank you for the work day, and, and uh, we're excited about uh, what you're already doing here today. So Lord, knit our hearts together now, and I pray that uh, all that's done would be conducive to worship. We would worship thee in spirit and in truth. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that the Word of God would hit its mark today, and Lord, that you would accomplish your perfect will. Direct me through this lesson now as I try to teach it to your people as you taught it to me, and I pray that it will be a help, and I pray that it will be a blessing, and I pray that Jesus will be glorified and lifted up through it all. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, most of you, if you've watched the news in just the last little bit, you have saw what's going on over in the Middle East, and uh, it's sad. You know, it's just sad, and it? it's just sad on, in, in many different ways. And uh, and war is uh, boy, war is never uh, war is never fair. War is never good. It's never pretty. It's always it's always very ugly. And one of the things that the uh, conflict over in Israel and Gaza has encouraged us to do it's encouraged us to study our Bibles, and we've been. Uh, we've been looking and, and teaching and preaching some, and we've taken several services, and we've uh, preached about what the Bible says about Israel, and on, uh, for that matter, what the Bible says about Gaza. And we have been talking about biblical prophecy since July, and we'll probably finish up on that tonight. And we've learned some really great lessons. We've learned some good uh, prophetical truths and things like that. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you, man, as we have worked our way through this, and as I have been studying on Israel and prophecy concerning Israel and Gaza, and, and we went back and we started looking at Abraham and Sarah, which that's really where uh, Israel got its start. Uh, Abraham is the father, really the father of, of the Hebrew race. And as we begin to study that out, God did teach us some great prophetic truths. But I'm going to be honest with you, man, as you're just reading through this and studying, and as you're looking for prophecy, there's some other truths there. There's some life lessons. Listen, church, I'm telling you, there's some life lessons that are really, I don't know how else to say it, they're just, they're in your face life lessons. You know, the Bible is, one, one, one great thing about the Bible is the Bible's very candid. The Bible doesn't beat around the bush. 
It just, you know, there is no bush, in the, the, the burning bush, but that's the only, it, you know, the Bible just cut the bush down and the Bible just tells it like it is. And, and one of the things that I love about the Word of God is the Word of God lets us, it allows us to, to look very intimately into the personal lives of Bible characters. And that's what we're going to see today. And by the way, these are great Bible characters. But it lets us see their strengths. But again, the Bible's very honest. And so the Bible doesn't just let us see their strengths. The Bible actually lets us see their weaknesses. It definitely lets us see their victories. But boys, we read through the Word of God, we notice that not only did these Bible characters have a lot of victories, boy, they had a lot of defeats. And I think we're going to see that. We're going to see that today. And uh, and uh, now, let me just tell you this real quick, and we're going to get into this uh, quickly today. You know, you know why the Bible does that? You know why the Bible lets us look down into the life of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael? And, and I mean, he shows us some things here that, boy, I mean, uh, the Bible's really transparent. And you know why the Bible does that? This is so wonderful. It does that so you and I won't make the same mistakes. Listen to what our Bible tells us. Just stay where you are in Genesis 21. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So we, we, we start studying Abraham's life and we say, wow, you know, preacher, I see a lot of strong things about Abraham, but I see some weak things. And you're, you'd be right about that. And we read about Sarah, and we find some strong victories in Sarah's life. But I'm going to be honest, we find some negative things, and I'll show you that in just a moment. And somebody says, Preacher, why is that? Why is the Bible so open? Why is the Bible so candid? Why is the Bible so blatantly honest? And the reason is God wants us to learn from these people's past mistakes and make sure that we don't follow in that path. Now, I'm just going to give you two thoughts, and that's it today. Now, all these thoughts have about 72 sub-thoughts, all right? But uh, just two thoughts today. And somebody said the time change, so I had an extra hour to preach today. Is that true? Is that right? Okay. All right. No, I'm picking. Don't get worried. All right? Don't get worried. But I, just listen, just two things that I want to show you today, but I hope that they will be, uh, I hope they'll be helping. Again, this is a little, bit, a little bit more like Sunday school lesson, but number one, one of the life lessons we learned from the story of Abraham and Sarah, first of all, is the danger, the danger of impulsive overreaction. The danger of impulsive overreaction. Now, let me tell you the story. Most of you know the story, but God promises to give Abraham and Sarah a child. Now, here's the problem. Abraham and Sarah are well up in age. They are well past the childbearing years, and and God comes to Abraham, 86 years old. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go out. I want you to look up the stars of heaven, and he said, I want you to see if you can count the stars of heaven, which you can't, but he says, listen, look at those stars, and he says, that's how your generation is going to be. He said, I'm going to give you and Sarah a child, and that child is going to bear many, many generations like the stars of heaven, and so he promises to do that. Well, we also know the bad part of that story. The Bible says that Abraham and Sarah, they lack faith. And years pass, several years pass, and uh, Sarah is still barren. She's not, has, still hasn't had a baby. And uh, they're trying to believe God, but they're thinking, oh, there's no way this can happen. And I know what God says, but I know what reality says. And I know what God says, but I know how old our bodies are. And there's just no way this is going to happen. And so we all know that story pretty much. The Bible says that Abraham and Sarah decided to 
take matters into their own hands. And so Sarah comes to Abraham and says, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to help God. And Calvary, I want want you to know something. God doesn't need your help. We're going to help God out. I mean, I know what God said, but we're going to have to help him. We're both up in age, and we're going to have to help him. And so when they were coming through a place called Egypt, Sarah had took on a little slave girl. Her name was Hagar. She was an Egyptian bondmaid, handmaid. And, uh, and they, they came out of Egypt and they took Hagar with her. By the way, Egypt is almost always in the Word of God. It's almost always a type of the world. And so uh, Abraham and Sarah are in Egypt where they had no business being, by the way. They come out of Egypt. They bring this little handmaid by the name of Hagar. And, and I'm, just guessing, I'm just guessing she's very dark-skinned and she's very beautiful to look upon. And, and so Sarah comes and she says, uh, Honey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you Hagar and you go in into Hagar and we'll have a baby uh, you know, through a surrogate. We'll, we'll have you bear a child through Hagar. And so that's the way that we'll fulfill God's plan. And so sure enough, that's what they do. And Abraham goes into that little handmaid, Hagar, and, and sure enough, she winds up pregnant, they have a, and they have a son. His name is Ishmael. Now, if you haven't been a part of our study the last little while, you, you don't, maybe you don't know this, but really, the reason, church, that we're having issues in the Middle East right now is because of Genesis 21. Because of what I'm preaching right now. All these years later, we're having problems in Israel and Gaza and in the Middle East because of what Abraham and Sarah decided to do to try to help the Lord. And so, sure enough, this child is born. Ishmael is born. But I want you to keep in mind, this was not God's original plan. And because it wasn't God's original plan, you know what happened? Problems came. And church, listen, when we don't do things according to God's will, you know what happens? Problems come. That's why it's so important that we're yielded to the Spirit of God and we let the Holy Spirit guide us because when we decide, listen, I know what God says, but I'm going to do this. And I I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do this. And we decide to do it our own way. Listen, no wonder things begin to fall apart and and the castle begins to crumble and, and problems begin to come. And that's what's happening here in Genesis 21. But this is what I want to say to you. When problems come, how many know this, that people, have a tendency to overreact on impulse. And that's exactly what we see in our scripture we read today. You say, Pastor, I'm not following you. You will follow me in just a moment. And then you might wish you weren't following me. Look at Genesis 21 again. And look at verse 8. The Bible says, and the child grew. And now this is Isaac that this is talking about. And the child grew. And was weaned, and Abraham made a, uh, made a great feast uh, the same day that Isaac was weaned. Uh-oh, we have a problem. Verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. So Ishmael is mocking Isaac. Isaac's the newborn. Isaac is the promised seed that he had promised to Abraham and Sarah. Sure enough, God brought his plan to, to, to pass. Uh, and, but, but, but we have a problem. Now we have, we have Ishmael in the, in, the, in the picture. 
And the Bible says they throw this big celebration for Isaac and Ishmael is mocking this little baby. Verse 10, here it is. Here's the message. Wherefore, in other words, because of the mocking, wherefore she, Sarah, wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. You say, preacher, do you really think she said it like that? I don't think she said it calmly. Because most women, when they're upset, don't say things calmly. I was born in the night, but I wasn't born last night, amen? And I mean, listen, I'm just guessing, listen. I mean, Sarah, Sarah was mad. She was angry. And she said, she says here to, to Abraham, kick him out. Kick him out. And so we see an impulse here. We see an overreaction by way of impulse. Listen, just kick him out. Now follow me, church. Just kick him out. You know what Sarah was saying? I don't want to have to deal with this problem even though... It's my fault. Now, I mean, I guess we could look at this a lot of different ways. Hagar had no choice where she came from. She was born in Egypt. I'm guessing she was raised in Egypt. Probably her parents were there in Egypt. And so Hagar had no, no, no choice in that matter. Ishmael is definitely an innocent party here. It's never the child's fault. So don't blame it on the child. If you decide to bring a child into the world, it's not, it's not their fault, amen? You know, don't, man, don't torment them. They had no, they, they had nothing to do with it. And so Hagar is an innocent party. Ishmael is an innocent party. And boy, I see an Abraham here just grieving over this situation. And, and so Sarah, basically Sarah says this, kick them out. Basically, what Sarah was saying was this, I want to ignore a problem that I have created. So we're just going to kick him to the curb. And I'm going to pretend that the problem is not there anymore. Now, church, follow me. A couple, couple statements here. If you take notes, write this down. Letter A is this, overreaction can be incredibly damaging. Overreaction can be incredibly damaging. Damaging. What are you talking about, preacher? Listen, do you understand something? If it wouldn't have been for divine intervention, this would have cost Hagar and Ishmael's life. Now I want to show it to you. Look in your Bibles, if you will. Look at Genesis 21, verse, uh, Genesis 21, verse 14. Sarah says, kick them out. I don't want them around here. It's my problem. I created it, but just kick them out. And uh, look at verse 14, Genesis 21, verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting, her, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of, of Beersheba. And uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something. My wife and I, I had the opportunity to, uh, to go over there in, in uh, 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 2019, and I feel so bad for our people. We were supposed to be going in just a few days, and, uh, and we're not able to, to go to the Holy Land now. But uh, while we were there, and the day I remember specifically, the day that we were making our way up to Jerusalem, man, you talk about desert. Now, we've been, to, we've been to the Mojave Desert. Some of you have been there, and you've traveled through the Mojave Desert and, uh, and the Mojave Desert's pretty, I mean, it's pretty rugged. And, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of Joshua bushes and there's uh, tumbleweeds and there, you know, there's this and that. But when we were making our way up to Jerusalem, man, you talk about desert. It was just sand. 
I mean, nothing but just sand. And the Bible says here is Hagar. She's wandering in the wilderness of Beersheba. Look at verse 15. And the water was spent. In other words, it was gone. And the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down uh, over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. You know what's going on, church? They're thirsting to death. I mean, they are, listen, the water's gone out of the, out of the bottle. They have no more water to drink. They have nowhere to get water from. And the sun is, is beating down. I'm telling you, the day my wife and I, this is a, a funny story, and I won't tell you the, the whole story, but we stayed, and uh, we, when we were in, in the Holy Land, we were on a mission trip. We stayed uh, in a mission's house. And, uh, and, and, fr- and from, our, from the balcony in our mission's house, you could see the Sea of Galilee. And we had not been there yet. And we wanted to go so bad. And so we had a little free time. And I, I told her, I said, you know what? It don't look like it's that far. Let's go for it. And you know her. She's like, yeah, let's go. I mean, and, and so, man, we, we set out for the Sea of Galilee. And we walked for 30 minutes. And, man, it looked like it was still 30 minutes away. So we walked another 30 minutes. And now it seemed like it was an hour away. And we kept walking and walking, and by the way, walking all downhill, all down mountain, and we were walking, and the, fur, the, 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 the closer we got, the further away it got. And finally, I just said, honey, I don't think we're going to make it. Listen, it was 109 degrees that day. And Israel doesn't have big, giant oak trees. There was nowhere to get shade. And so finally, we just stopped, and I said, honey, we're going to have to go back. I mean, we're just, we're going we're gonna to have to count our losses. We're going to have to go back. And so we started trying to make our way back up to the mission house. It was 109 degrees. The sun was beating down. There was nowhere to get under shade. We didn't take an umbrella. Uh, and I'm telling you, man, we about burned up. Well, that's what's going on here. Hagar and Ishmael are in the desert here and they've run out of water. The Bible says in, in uh, verse number, look at verse number 17, verse 16, the Bible says she lift up her voice and wept. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not. For God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And here's, here, here's the, the, the message of the, of the story here. God saved their life. But there's also another idea. The idea is this. Had God not intervened, they wouldn't have survived. They would have died. Now, you know why that you know why that happened? Because Sarah overreacted. Okay, I understand. We've got a problem. Okay, I understand. You've made a mess, Sarah. Okay, I get it. You don't want to face it. You don't want to deal with it. I understand. It's uncomfortable. I understand that that it's brought complications into your life. But just because uh, something's complicated doesn't mean it's not there. And so Sarah has. By impulse, she has overreacted. Kick them out. Kick them out. And because of that, some folks just about lost their life. And so overreaction can be incredibly damaging. But I wrote something else here. Letter B is this. Overreaction can be incredibly foolish. 
Overreaction can be incredibly foolish. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Notice what Sarah is overacting to. She's overacting concerning the foolishness of an adolescent. You know what scholars believe about Ishmael right about this time? They believe Ishmael was probably about 13. Anybody know any 13-year-olds that are a little bit immature? I know a few. I've had some. And at 13, they were very immature. At 13, they weren't ready to make their own decisions. At 13, they had to be corrected by parents. At 13, they made some very foolish decisions, some very foolish actions. They got involved in some very foolish things, and that's what's going on here. The Bible says in Genesis 21 and verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Now, wait a minute. Now, Sarah, hang on. This is what, you you ever do this? You ever read your Bible and want to talk to it? Man, I'm reading this story, and I'm saying, hey, Sarah, hang on. Wait, time out. This is a 13-year-old you're talking about. This is not Abraham. This is not an adult. This is a 13-year-old. Okay, I get it. He's mocking your baby. My little baby, my little baby. You know, and uh, I get it, mama. I know, I know. When somebody messes with your kid, the claws come out. And man, it's like attack, attack mode. Man, that hurt when I done that. Does it feel like that, ladies, when y'all do that? Uh, And so I get it. Somebody's making fun of her, you know, her little baby. and, uh, And she says, that's it. Kick them out. Wait a minute, Sarah. Wait a minute. You are reacting to a adolescent. You're reacting to a kid that probably probably just went through puberty. You're reacting uh, reacting to uh, a little immature kid. Now, is that an important lesson? I really believe it is an important lesson. Did you know if we'll stop to take the time to think and pray before we overreact, it may it may give us some long suffering and some patience. Brother House, our, our, our pastor in Indiana, Brother House used to say it like this. Be sure that you act. Don't react. Act. Don't react. You say, Pastor, I wish you'd get back to preaching on prophecy again. Because this is tough stuff, isn't it? Listen to this. Some time ago, a father punished his three-year-old daughter for wasting a roll of gold wrapping paper. Money was tight. And he became angry when the child tried to decorate a box to put under the Christmas tree. Nevertheless, the little girl brought the gift to her father the next morning and said, this is for you, Daddy. He was embarrassed by his earlier overreaction, but his anger flared when he found the box was empty. He began to yell at his little girl and he said, don't you know when you give someone a present, there's supposed to be something inside of it? The little girl looked up at him with tears in her eyes and said, oh, daddy, it's not empty. I blew kisses into the box. They're all for you. (laughs) That'll make you want to crawl in a hole right there, won't it? Overreaction. 
overreaction. Listen to what the Bible says in James 1 verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let every man be slow to speak, slow to wrath. Oh, listen, I'm telling you, it would change our homes. It would change our families. It would change our marriages. It would change our relationships. It would change our churches. If we get a hold of this truth, you say, Pastor, that's, that's fourth grade. Call it what you want. But if we ever get a hold of this and say, you know what, before I start spouting off and say the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ponder and I'm going to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Church, I'm going to tell you business is about to pick up. Amen. And things are about to get a whole lot better if we just don't react by impulse. Now, it's 12, 13. We're going to be done here in just a minute. But I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And I want to show you some advice. I want to show you some great advice that Moses gave to the children of Israel when they were overreacting. Exodus chapter number 14. Right back toward the very beginning of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 14. And look, if you will, at verse number, uh, verse number 10. Now, what's going on? We, we've had a great exodus. The children of Israel have, have come, out of, they've come out of Egypt, and they're on their way to Canaan's fair land, but they run into some problems. And we're going to read about that here in just a moment. Exodus 14 and verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and said, Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Now, you know what? So far, we're doing good. So they, they've left Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. But, but Pharaoh changes his mind. He gets his army together. He goes back at, out after the children of Israel. And the Bible says they see the dust. They see the chariots coming. They see the horsemen coming. They see all that coming toward them. And the Bible says they cried unto the Lord. Good deal, Israel. Good deal. You're, you're doing well. And had the scripture stopped right there, would be okay. But it doesn't. Verse 11, and, and, they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Y'all following me? I mean, brother, they began to attack Moses. We told you. Told you. Told you this would happen. We knew you were going to be the death of us. We knew you were going to lead us wrong. We knew you were going to kill us. We knew this wasn't a good idea. We knew it. Nah, 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 nah. And boy, they're just gnashing on, on Moses with their mouth and their words. And, uh, and now what's going on? They are overreacting because of impulse. Look at verse 13. Here it is. And Moses said unto the people, fear you not. Look at those next two words. What are they? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again, no more forever. Hey, Calvary, that is good, sound advice. When the bottom is falling out, 
and you want to say something hurtful to somebody, stand still. When problems come and you want to kick them out, when issues come into your life, and man, you just want to, I mean, you just want to spaz out, stand still. Stand still. Hey, church, there is a God. God, and here's the thing, it's only a problem when we try to handle it. It's not a problem with him. Somebody says, Pastor, I've got cancer. That's a big problem. It is a problem for you. It's not a problem for him. You say, Preacher, we've got some financial issues in our, uh, in our home. It's a problem. It's a problem for you. It's not a problem for him. I'm telling you, God can heal cancer. God can take care of your finances. God can help you with your kids. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Hey, God can help you with whatever's going on in your life. Don't, listen, don't overreact. Stand still. Stand still. And know that God is able to take care of your needs. But listen, let me give you this last, this last thought. It's so important. So important. Wow. Not only do we see the danger of impulsive overreaction, number two, we see the importance of personal civility. Now, there were problems. I'm talking about Abraham and Sarah. I'm talking about Hagar and Ishmael. There were problems with these families. And one of the things I noticed as I study this out, the problem is primarily with the parents. And the problem is especially with the females. Now, I'm just giving you that. I'm just giving it to you. I'm not going to stay there and preach on it. I'm just giving it to you. But you study it out for yourself and see if you don't come to the same conclusion. It wasn't necessarily a problem with Ishmael. And Isaac didn't even know he was being mocked. And Abraham, it wasn't a problem with Abraham, but it was a problem with Sarah. And it was a problem with Hagar. But here's what I want to tell you, and I'm done. There, were, there was a schism in this family. Would everybody agree with that? There was a major schism in this family. But how did I miss this all these years? But evidently, somewhere along the line, there were some family members who said, you know what? We're going to handle this thing with some civility. It's not a good situation, but we're going to be civil. It's not a good situation, but we're going to act like we got some sense. It's not a good situation, but we're going to act like we're being led of the Spirit of God. Oh, I may not be walking across the pews this morning, but the Holy Spirit's preaching good today. Now, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Let me show you. How did I miss this? Look at Genesis 25. So everybody, everybody agrees there's a schism? Amen? Yep. All right. Let's see what happened. Genesis 25 and verse number 5. The Bible says in Abraham, Genesis 25, verse 5. You got to see this with your own eyes. And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward under the east country. Verse 7. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, an hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Verse, verse 8, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Verse 9, verse 9, here it is. And his, what? And his sons 
Isaac and Ishmael buried him. What? Man, I read that a few days ago. I was like, wow. You know what that tells me? Somewhere along the line, somebody got some sense. Everybody's fighting, fuming, overreacting, kicking people out, kicking people to the curb. You're not having anything to do with this family. Well, you're not having anything to do with my family. And I, I mean, it's just on and. But evidently, there were some who later on said, you know what? That's not the way to be. And so when Abraham died, Isaac and Ishmael came together and said, that's dad. Let's bury him. Man, oh, man. What? Listen, I'm telling you, that's good stuff right there. Now, church, I'm done. The truth is we're all God's people. And we're all going to spend eternity together. And so you know what we better learn? We better learn how to forgive. And we better learn how to get along. Now that's tough preaching. But we better learn how to forgive and get along. Ephesians 4.32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Hebrews 12, verse 14, follow peace with all men. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Matthew six verse fourteen. For if you forgive men, their, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You say, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but you don't know. I don't have to know. It's enough that he knows. Well, I'm waiting on them to get right. Friend, while he hung between heaven and earth with nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head, bleeding, literally bleeding out. You know what he said, Father? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, that's, that's, that's mature Christianity 101 right there. But it's good, isn't it? Let me give you this story when we're done. Any of you old folks, I don't have to ask these young kids because they don't even know what I'm talking about. Any of you old folks remember a, a movie called The Bridge on the River Kwai? It was a good movie. 1957, they came out of that movie. And back when they had dinosaurs, you know, that were roaming on the earth, you know, way back then. Bridge on the River Kwai. It's a World War II. It's a World War II movie. And it heralds some prisoner war, uh, the prisoner war um, prisoners and how they make them build a bridge across the river to try to keep the Japanese forces going. One of the things that I figured out about that movie, it was really not... It's, it's a fictional movie. It's not based on a, on a, a true storyline. But later, there was a fellow by the name of Ernest Gordon who authored a book, and it was called, not Bridge on the River Kwai, but it was called Miracle on the River Kwai. And although that movie was fictional, the story behind the movie is quite, is quite true. 
And Ernest Gordon wrote about those Scottish soldiers, and that, what, that's what they were, as they were forced by those Japanese captors to labor on what they called back then, they called it the Burma Railway, the death, they called it the death railway. Because so many prisoners of war lost their life. As they were building that bridge, uh, they called it the death railway. They said that conditions had so degenerated in that prisoner of war camp that those Scottish uh, World War II officers uh, and, and soldiers, that they really uh, were, were turning into barbarians. Until one day something happened. As they were finishing up for the day and the Japanese soldiers were checking them in, a shovel, now get this now, a shovel was missing. The Japanese officer in charge, they said, became enraged and demanded that the missing shovel be produced or else. Well, nobody stepped forward. And so they said, finally, the Japanese officer in charge put the shovel down, took his gun out, and said, I will kill every man here if somebody doesn't produce that shovel. Listen, about that time, one of, the Scottish, one of the Scottish soldiers in that line stepped up. They said the Japanese officer took his gun, put his gun away, and took a shovel and literally bludgeoned that man to death. Beat him. I mean, beat him to death. Well, the other soldiers went over. They picked up this dead corpse. They took him to the next check-in point. And when they got to that next check-in point, they noticed there wasn't a shovel missing. Actually, what happened was there was a miscount. Every shovel was there, but they miscounted. And word began to spread around that POW camp. Somebody stepped up and died for us. He didn't take that shovel, but he cared enough about his comrades that he didn't want them to die. They said, after that event, they said those men changed. Those soldiers changed. They began to treat each other like brothers. They began to treat each other like they cared. Now they were still starving. And literally, I, I looked at some of the pictures this week, and they're literally skeletons. They're starving to death, skeletons. But they said those men began to care for one another and love one another and began to try to encourage one another. And finally, you know the rest of the story, don't you? The allies came. And those prisoner of war those prisoner of war soldiers, they were, they were released. And they said this. They said that when they, stood before, when they stood before their Japanese captors, they said this. There's been enough fighting. There's been enough death. It's time for forgiveness. And they said a lot of those Scottish soldiers just stood in front of those Japanese officers and said, we forgive you. You're forgiven. Now, church, well, we didn't know that was all right there in that story, did we? But it's there. Now, how has the Lord, listen, how has the Lord spoken to your heart today? And if he has spoken to your heart, do something about it today. Do something about it. Will you do me a favor? Will you bow your heads all over the house this morning? Father, we thank you for your blessings. And God, we thank you that the word of God is so practical. And Lord, it is so relevant. 
And God, it helps us. It helps us in our everyday life. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for when we overreact. Forgive us, Lord, for when we let anger take over. When we use wrong words and evil words and hurtful words, harmful words. Sometimes even to people that we care most about. A spouse, a child, a parent, a grandparent. God, forgive us for when we overreact. And God, I pray that at Calvary Baptist Church, and I know this is different, and this may not be the path of every church, but I pray at Calvary that we would be civil. And God, I pray that we're not going to act like the world and respond like the world and talk like the world. But God, I pray that we will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in the way we respond, in the way we talk, in the way we act. Now, God, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation, please. And we sure thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two, and we're done. First of all, how many are in this room this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have been born again. I know that I'm on my way to heaven without anybody looking, just for a few moments, without anybody looking. You'd say, Pastor, that's me. Here's my hand as a testimony. I know that I've been born again. Praise God. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. But I want to ask a second question. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to physically bring you down the aisle. I don't do that. I'm not going to do that today. But I'd like to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name. But the Lord will know who you are. How many are here this morning in this room right now? You'd be honest. Come on. You'd be honest. Just between you and the Lord, you'd be honest. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure that I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you remember me in prayer. How many are like that right now? You'd slip your hand up. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you, man. Who else? Preacher? If I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? I saw that hand. Is there somebody else? Pastor, if I died, I see that hand right there. Thank you. Who else? Pastor, if I died, I see that hand. Bless you. Thank you so much. Who else? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you please remember me? Would you please pray for me? I want to go to heaven. I just don't know I would for sure. I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody else? You'd slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Before we pray, would you do me a great favor? Very, very quietly, would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and eyes closed? I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would just tiptoe down to the altars this morning. And we have some folks down here in the altar that have a Bible in their hand. And we would love, love, love to share the gospel of Jesus with you and how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. And so in just a moment, I want you to come. I want you to come. If you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to come. I want you to come. And we want to try to be a blessing. Now, wait a minute now. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I am saved, but I'm going to be honest. I'm sort of guilty of what you talked about today. Here recently, I've overreacted. Here recently, I acted in a way I shouldn't have acted. Here recently, I said some things I shouldn't have said. I treated somebody in a way I shouldn't have treated them. 
a preacher, I've been holding a grudge. I've got aught in my heart, and my heart's not clear. Okay, if that's you, here's what I want you to do. In just a moment, I want you to leave your place. I want you to find your way down to this altar somewhere. And I want you to talk to the Lord about it. I want you to tell the Lord about it. You know what's on your heart. I want you to come talk to the Lord about it. And I want you to let the Lord take that bitterness away. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, give me forgiveness. God, give me forgiveness. Give me a heart of forgiveness. I want you to do that today. And so, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this message. I I don't know about anybody else, but my heart's been stirred. And uh, I'm convicted. God, I know there's some things I've got to work on. Lord, I pray that you're blessing this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our